Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. This week I've been reminded of the fact of how real um, it is that we are in a place and in a world in which there is very real um, spiritual warfare going on, uh, where there are very real forces of evil and very real forces of good. Um, And and you're probably like, well, Wayne, you're a pastor. You probably should kind of already know that. Um, But sometimes things that you know, uh, circumstances and situations kind of just hit you in the face a little bit more where you just kind of see something maybe in a different light or something you haven't necessarily seen before, um, in the same way. And I'm not going to a lot of detail on that, but I will say I I was talking with an old ministry friend, um, who, uh, used to, he was a missionary in Haiti for, for years. And, uh, and he was telling me about his, experienced on several times of uh, praying over and casting demons out of people there. Um, and, uh, and I know that might kind of weird some of you out and you might be like, well, what, what is this? And I'm just telling you like, take it for what it's worth. It's in the Bible and it's real. Okay. Um, and there are definitely uh, demonic forces that are at play that are trying to work against um, Jesus and his kingdom. Um, and uh, take that for, for whatever way that you will. Uh, Paul says it this way uh, in Ephesians 6. Ephesians six twelve he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So Paul is saying for, for the Christian, for, for the person that's, that's on Jesus' team, the one who, who is, is with Christ, this is our battle. This is our real battle. This is where, where the battle is really being fought. So much of, of what we see and deal with stems from this. I think in North American culture, um, we can uh, easily try to dismiss these things. Uh, we can rationalize them away as mental illness or some other thing um, or just circumstances or, or whatever. Um, but uh, when we look at scripture, we see that these are, are very, very real things. Um, and it's something that I do believe that is at play today. And so why don't we see more of this like in our culture, like we would see, like we see it in the Bible? Why don't we see it manifesting the same way? I want to propose to you that if I were a demon and my job were to try to thwart Christianity, thwart the work of Christ, those things, probably one of the best strategies would be to go incognito and go unnoticed and undetected. If I can fly under the radar and accomplish what I want to accomplish and have people going the way that I want them to go without them even knowing that I'm there, well, that's going to be pretty successful. 
And I would propose that that's probably a lot of what we have in the world that we interact with. Not that the other doesn't also exist, it does. Um, but in the world that we interact with, I, I would say that's probably more common than not. And so with that, um, where do we go with this? Let's go into our scripture for today. Colossians 2, starting in verse 8. Paul says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so he's, he's warning them here, hey, you've got to watch out for these things because the elemental spirits of the world, or some of your translations might say elemental uh, elements or, or something like that, um, but I, I really think he's talking about here spiritual forces, and the things of this world will try to take us captive, just like they did with the Colossians. This was one of the strategies. They didn't come at them with possession and people acting crazy. They came at them with false teaching and these empty philosophies of the world. It's interesting to note that um, this is the one place in Scripture where the word philosophy is used. The only place. We have philosophers mentioned, but this is the only, only place in Scripture where the word philosophy is used. And so um, that, sh that gives us lead to maybe examine what is it, what is philosophy? And is Paul saying here that, that we just don't be taking, don't be take, take you captive by philosophy? Is that, is that where he ends the sentence? No, that's not where he ends the sentence. He says a philosophy according to the spirits of the world. So that's, that's the philosophy we're looking out for. Okay. So with what I'm about to say, I'm not going to say that all philosophy is bad. Okay. I took philosophy in, in university, and uh, some of it was actually kind of useful. Um, parts of it, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to ever use this in my life. And then here I am today, going to use it as an illustration. So there you go. Um, that whole semester of my life is paying off for you in this moment, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, some of the things we would learn in there, I would just kind of scratch my head. I'm like, really? Like, Really? Like, there's this one guy. Anybody know who uh, Descartes is? Or if you're like my, my friend from Kentucky, uh, Des Cartes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Rene Descartes, he was a philosopher back in the 1600s. And uh, he had a, a saying that he's very famous for. Um, and our professor made us learn it in Latin, I think, so that we would think that it was more intelligent than it is. Um, but his saying was cognito ergo sum, meaning I think, therefore I am. Anybody heard that before? Yeah, okay, now some of you are catching on with me. And so as, as I'm studying this, I'm like, really? Like, the crowning achievement of this guy's life's work is a statement saying that he figured out that he existed because he was thinking. I'm like, can you not just slap yourself in the face and then you know you're alive? Like, like that's, that's a lot quicker way to go about this, you know? Like, you can get there pretty quickly. And, uh, uh, but no, I, I joke. Apparently, he did make a lot of contributions in math and science and all this other stuff. Probably very, very, very intelligent guy. 
But, uh, but seriously, some of the things that, that we, we study in, in philosophy were kind of like, I'm just like, really? Another one I had in university that, when I, at least when I was in university, probably still today, a, a big theme was what they call postmodernism. And uh, one of the tenets of postmodernism um, is uh, this view on words and do words even really have meaning? Um, and uh, can words convey the meaning of the author or do they, are words completely just subjective to the meaning of the interpreter, right? All right, so the, this is stuff out there. I had, to, I had to spend months of my life learning this stuff. Um, and uh, thankfully, my professor approached it from a Christian worldview and like, was like, this is what's out there, but here's where it kind of falls apart. But right before the exam, um, I asked him right before he's about to pass out the, the test. I said, so if you have a question on here about postmodernism, if we just like write one word in as the answer, will you interpret that for the right answer with whatever your interpretation is? And uh, he, didn't, he didn't think that was as funny as I did. Um, <laughs> Because that was the essay question on the test. Um, but uh, so, so anyway, um, some of this stuff is just kind of like, really? But these philosophies, these ways of thinking can take us captive. I'm not saying it's wrong to study them. It's not wrong to learn about them. It's not wrong to learn how other people are thinking and how the world is engaging things. But the problem we need to look out for is what Paul warns us of here in this verse is do not be taken captive by it. Do not be taken captive by these philosophies or these other things. Empty deceit according to human tradition. These things that are man's best way of thinking like as, as a man, we can think so far and we can figure out things so much. And you can, uh, you know, I, I went after ones that are specifically considered philosophy today, but so much of what is out there in our world today, even, you know, um, dare we, we even mention politics and like whichever side of things you fall into. Well, there's a philosophy, there's a, a, a human tradition relating to those things. And, and I would say that Paul is saying here and applies to that too, that don't be taken captive by these things. I think it's very intentional that he uses the word captive here because he's using military language because it is a battle, it is a war. Things are at stake. Things are going on. And we're to not be taken captive. So if that's true, but if we're not to be taken captive by that, then what are we to hold to? Well, he, he hinted at at the end of that verse. He said, do not, not according to Christ. So it's the spirits of the world versus Christ. But he goes on and he makes it abundantly clear moving forward in verse 9. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and all authority. He's saying, hey, here's who Jesus is. Jesus is fully God. All the, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in him. He was God with us. He was, he was the God-man. That's what we celebrate here at Christmas is the moment where God came and became one of us. He took on human flesh. 
the incarnation. He came as a baby um, to grow as a man, and he was fully God, fully man, lived as one of us. That's who he is. And oh yeah, by the way, if you're a Christian, you're full of him. He's full of God and you're full of him. Don't forget that. So let's juxtapose worldly philosophy. We don't even know if words have meaning. um, Up against being filled with the fullness of deity of Jesus Christ in your life. Why would you trade this for something else? Why would you cash this in for something else? And yet, sadly, as a a youth pastor, I saw many students who who grew up in the church and they would go off to university and they would really struggle with these things. Because what seemed intelligent, what seemed smart, what was being thrown at them seemed so good. And there would be a real wrestle, a real struggle with what is true. Where does Jesus fit into this? And I want to propose to you what he says here in verse 10 is so true. Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. All those spiritual forces I I mentioned before, Jesus trumps them all. He's over all of them. We don't have to fear them if we are in Christ. If we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the most they can do is kind of oppress us or, or come at us from the outside, try to take us this way or that way with whatever they've got, got going, but ultimately they have no power over us because we have Christ in us. And he is over all of that. Since Jesus is fully God and Christians are full of him. Let's keep going. Verse 11 says this. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay, if you are not a biblical scholar, that that passage is just going to be like, what? (laughs) What is he talking about? What he's talking about is this. In the Old Testament, there was a covenant that God made with Abraham. And that covenant was an agreement between God and Abraham, promises from God to Abraham And the sign of that covenant was a thing called circumcision, the removal of the foreskin of the male reproductive organ. Um, And that was the sign that they had uh, that you were a part of this covenant. All of the males in the Jewish nation uh, would do this, were a part of this, and it was saying, hey, we are God's people. But what Paul is saying here is, hey, you're God's people, and you are have experienced a circumcision, a cutting away of the earthly flesh, the fleshly things of your life, but not by human hands. He's not talking physical. He's talking spiritual. And he's saying that that Jesus, the one who is over all those authorities, has come into your life and cut away the fleshly things, taken those things away from you if you are a Christian. And he's removed those from you. And then it goes on in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism. So he went the sign of the old covenant, circumcision. He jumps to the sign of the new covenant, which is baptism. You have been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. 
by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And there's the gospel. There's the truth. There's the good news. Jesus took our record of our debt and he nailed it to a cross, paying the price for it. Your record of your debt is, this is what you owe for your sin. And Jesus takes it and says, marks it paid in full and nails it to a cross. That's what Jesus does for the Christ follower. That's what he does for his people. This is why he came at Christmas. You might be like, this isn't a very Christmassy message, Wayne. Like, haven't you seen all the Christmas decorations in this room? We need to have a Christmas message. Here's a Christmas message for you. Jesus came for this purpose. If you see Christmas as anything other than the fact that Jesus came for this purpose, you're missing the fact of what Christmas is about. Jesus came at Christmas so that he could die at Easter. Well, he could die at Good Friday, but so he could rise again on Easter Sunday. And he, he, he nailed it to the cross, canceling the record of debt that stood against us. What a great reason for praising him. But he mentions, let's circle back up to what he mentioned before. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. So what, it, what is Paul pointing them back to? He's like, hey, remember when you first came to Christ? Remember when you first came to understand him as your Lord and Savior? When you first came to know the fact that he nailed it to the cross? Something happened to you at that point. You were baptized. You went down in the water you were submerged. Baptizo means to submerge, go all the way under the water, get all the way wet. You were submerged under the water. That symbolizes you, you were, your old self died with Christ. Who you once were went down in that water and it died. It's symbolic, it died. And then you came back up. And you were raised to walk in newness of life just as he was raised from the dead. And so how we do baptism is, is a testimony, it's a story, it's an example, it's an illustration of this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. This is true and pure knowledge. This is wisdom. So that's what philosophy means, the, the study of knowledge or the study of wisdom, the love of knowledge, love of wisdom. That's what philosophy means. And this is true and pure philosophy, if you will is the fact that Jesus did this for us. We know this to be true, and we have even made this demonstration to the world of what he has done in our life by being baptized. And so that's why we get baptized. And if, that, if that's you, if, if you are at that point where you have said, yes, I, I believe this to be true. I know, I know this gospel that you just read to be true. That's, that is what happened. I, I am fully counting on the fact that he nailed my sins to the cross, but you've never been baptized. I encourage you don't wait any longer. Let the world know. Let everyone else know this is what Jesus has done for me and this is who my hope is in. If that is you, if you haven't done that in your life, then the same way he's reminding them here, I remind you, think back to that moment. That was a major moment. 
Some of you might've been like me and you were rather young when it happened, but still it was a major moment. It's a moment that marked when my life, I know that at that point I was with Jesus. I was on his team. He had nailed my sins to the cross and I had made that known to everyone else. So I encourage you, if, if you haven't taken that step, take that step. But if you have taken that step, just remember that. Fall back on that in the times where maybe a worldly philosophy, a human tradition, that thing might be coming at you. Fall back on, no, this is the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Count on that and the fact that you're legal demands were nailed to the cross because it goes on the point there is if Jesus has has made you alive in him then you should be baptized to let the world know then Paul finishes out this section saying this in verse 15 he being Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him What does that mean? That when Jesus nailed it to the cross, they thought they had won. That was the best they had. They killed the son of God. But yet three days later, he was alive and well. He defeated them. He has power over all of them. He has disarmed them all. So if I want to encourage you that if if they're is spiritual forces at play in your life or attacking you in some way or the other, know that Jesus has already beaten them. You're fighting against a losing team. They've already lost. The paperwork just has to all be finished. And so come at them in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of Christ and see triumph in your life over those things. And I know some of you say, well, I don't know, Wayne, this this sounds really like, I don't know, kind of out there. Like I haven't haven't experienced some of this stuff. I haven't seen this stuff. Um, I don't know if this is true or whatever. And then I know people that, that say this whole, gospel thing that you just were sharing like that's that's just kind of craziness don't really know about all of that like really is is that really that important and here's what Paul says about those people in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 starting in verse 18 for the word of the cross is folly or other translations say foolishness to those who are perishing But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So I want to ask you, is the message of the cross, the word of the cross, 
Is it folly to you? Or is it the power of God? What is it in your life? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he did come and that he defeated all of the powers of darkness. That he was triumphant. He rose from the dead. The battle has been won. The punishment just has to be executed. And Lord, we we wait that day. We wait for your return. But Lord, we know that the reason that you tarry is so that more can come to you. And so God, I pray for anyone here who needs to come to you. I pray that they will take that step, a place in their faith in Jesus Christ and believing what you did for us in the cross and believing the fact that you rose from the dead that you defeated sin and death and you can take all the junk from their life and you can count it on that payment that you made on that cross, that you can nail it to the cross. Lord, for those of us that have experienced that, Lord, let us not be taken captive by all these other things, all these other ways of coming at us. Lord, help us to stand firm, stand firm in you and not fall into these things. I pray this in your holy and righteous name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.